Well, Happy New Year. And uh, who's making New Year's resolutions? Yeah, it's funny. Everybody's like, nah, I ain't doing that no more. I know better. Uh, and I know why a lot of people don't do them anymore. Because uh, like Chandler, they don't last long typically. Most New Year's resolutions last about two to three weeks. Uh, there's no studies out on this, but there's been some independent groups who've gone and studied this, and they estimate uh, that cigarette companies spend more in advertising. When do you think they spend it? Not New Year's. They spend more in February and March than they do the rest of the year combined. Why? Because they know you'll last about a month. That's it. Come February, the craving's going to take over, and that's when... They're not dumb enough to go head-to-head with your New Year's resolution. They know you have enough willpower for about two to three weeks. But right about the time you weaken, just like Satan, that's when they hit you, right? I mean, just bam, right there when you're a little bit weak, and you're starting to kind of really wonder if you can do it or not. They spend more in those two months than they do the rest of the year combined. uh, Because they know that's about how long you have on it. But... I am going to actually encourage you to set some this year. I, I really am, and not really in a New Year's resolution sense. I, I really, over the next couple of weeks, going to be talking about uh, setting out where you want to go. Last week, Pastor Micah started us off really well uh, with the New Year, New You idea, with you know looking at a, the values that are going to shape your life. And with Jesus, he had values that shaped everything that he did. Uh, his value was to love God and love others. It shaped everything in the way that he did it. Uh, he was on a mission to get things done, but the way that he did it was shaped by his values. And Mike, of course, shared he has values that have driven his life and driven uh, the way he parents. Anybody remember what his three values were? Anybody? Yeah? Yeah? Yep. Eat sweets, surf with others, and make Christ known, right? That's what y'all said? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and you can ask him about it later. I think that's what it was. Um, I kind of like him, actually. But, uh, I just need to find somebody to surf with. Uh, so, uh, so, so Jesus had values that driv- drove his life, uh, and those values uh, drove him on mission. And so last week we talked about values. This week I want to talk about mission. Some of you might call it your New Year's resolution. Uh, what is it that you're on a mission for? What is it that you are all about? Jesus was very clear in his mission. When people would ask him, what are you doing going over to Zacchaeus' house? Uh, He says straight out, uh, I came to seek and save the lost. That's why I'm here. Why wouldn't I be there? I'm here to seek and save the lost. When he was over at Matthew's house, they wanted to know, why aren't you over there with tax collectors and sinners? And he's like, because it's the sick who needs a doctor, not the healthy. I'm here to save the lost. That's why I came. That's what I came to do. When he's talking with Nicodemus, Nicodemus is, you know, trying to kind of size him up and figure him. He's like, you're kind of this religious guy. What's your angle here, man? What's your, what's your, what you up to? And he flat out says, you know, why he came. God sent me here to save the world. You know, for God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son. Uh, whoever has a relationship with him or, you know, knows him uh, would not perish but have everlasting life. For I didn't come to condemn the world but to save the world. That's why I came. Um, and then later on, you know, of course, his, well, I guess to say earlier on, uh, his mother, you know, knew this was sort of why he came, but would forget about it, remember? So that was that time where she, you know, they go to Passover, and then she leaves. And she's like, wait, where's Jesus? We lost Jesus. He comes back. And what does Jesus say? It's like so matter of fact, like, yeah, I'm in my father's house. Where did you think I would be? I came here to be about his business, so that's what I'm here. I'm about father's business, so I'm going to be in my father's house. 
he was on a mission. And so I was thinking about this, you know, being on a mission. Uh, uh, the week after Christmas is like my favorite week of the year because we, we do a lot to get ready for Christmas Eve. It's one of our biggest services of the year. And I tell you, when there's no greater feeling for me in the world, and some of y'all have this in your own jobs, but for me, when I leave this building Christmas Eve, I, I just relax, I can just, you know, you know and enjoy my life, right? So this year, I took the kids up to the mountain, went up there with Michelle and her family, and when I drive, I am on a mission. Y'all with me? On a mission, right? Uh, and it's frustrating, because back in the day, the, the goal was to beat Garmin or TomTom, whichever one you use, by an hour, and you could usually beat it by an hour. The problem with Apple and Google, they know us too well, they track us too well, so it is really hard to beat their ETA time, right? But with some skill, you can pull it off, right? Now, some of the keys here is you've got to limit the amount of uh, beverages that your kids are drinking. But I'm not telling you flat out, they're going to have to stop at some point anyway. Here's a little tip. Maybe you don't know this, and maybe you do. Some of y'all are experienced. Some of y'all know this. Do you stop at a rest stop or a gas station? No, not a gas station. Rest stop every time. Rest stop, you can get in and out in five minutes or less. Gas station, you can't even get past the stoplights in five minutes, then your kids get distracted, then you can't find them, then you got to wait in line. But listen, you can do it. And here's the good thing about a rest stop. There's a two-mile warning. At the two-mile warning, you go to the, you yell to the kids in the back seat, listen, put your devices down. We are two minutes out because if you're going 60 miles an hour on average, that takes two minutes to get there. So we are two minutes out. Put your devices down, put your shoes on, gather up your trash. We're getting out of the car. That's it. I better not catch you with your phone because it's, it's phone's going to be with me for the next leg of the trip if you are on your phone from the, the two minutes out because you put the phone down, shoes on, trash collected because when you get out of the car, there's always a trash can right there on your way to the bathroom. We go to the trash can, we go to the bathroom, we get back in the car. We're not going down to vending machines. you got plenty of snacks. We already made sure of that on the thing. So we're going to get out. We're going to the trash can. We're going to the bathroom. We're getting back in the car. Well, on this trip, Michelle's got her car and her family. I've got my car and my family, and so we both... We coordinate this. I'm going to say, here's the way we do it. Can you all join me on this? She goes, yep, that's the way we do it too. Bam, simpatico, we're great. So we get out, military precision, we get there, get out. But, of course, I had to steal a quick hug, so I went over and gave a big hug. So, all right, let's get back on the road. we got to do this. So here's the frustrating thing. It's like NASCAR. Like when you got to do a pit stop in NASCAR, you got to come back out and laugh traffic. Some of you all know this. When you're merging back on, do you ever see cars that you passed 45 minutes ago or so? I literally see a truck that I was trying, you know, because it's two lanes to Richmond, right? So I see this truck that was a pain in the butt to get around, and it's coming up on me. I'm like, I am getting in front of this thing because I'm not going to have to get behind it. And I'm merging on, and I do it. And right as I do it, I hear from the back seat, Dad, where's Jameson? (laughs) And I'm looking like... He's back there somewhere. Now, on youth trips, I drive like the bus, right? So it's a chance they're hiding somewhere. I guess that's what was in my mental thought. Like, he's got to be back there somewhere. There's nowhere to be, right? I mean, it's a back seat, right? Like, he's not back there? No, come on, he's back there. Like, like there's somebody going to go, oh, I found him. No. Um, oh. Well, it's sort of like blowing an engine in a NASCAR race. You know your day's over. You've lost the race. The truck beat you. You're done. You know, because you, you got to go, you know, two miles up, turn back around, get back. <laughs> and then you pull up, and he's looking at me like, <laughs> C. 
seriously? Seriously? I said, listen, Mary and Joseph did it to Jesus, right? Okay. I know he was about his father's business. Apparently you were about doing your business, but hey, we're back in the car now. We're good to go. I lost the race, but I got the kids, so let's, let's go. Um, anyways, that was all making me think about this passage about it. Jesus was always about his father's business, and he was on a mission. And uh, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is being on a mission. To be on a mission, uh, you have to want something. And, and I mean want something. You have to really want something. If you really want something, you'll be on a mission for it. Now, uh, a lot of times we think we're on a mission, but we're not really on a mission. We think we want something, but we don't really want something. Uh, but you've got to really want something to be um, on mission uh, about it. Uh, what I mean is like, there's got to be something that you want to do, something that you want to become. Uh, something that you want to see happen, something that you want to accomplish. Now, a lot of us have things we want to accomplish. Like a lot of people say, I want to make the world a better place. Okay, the difference between you want to make the world a better place and Jesus is Jesus did everything in his life was centered around that, right? All the way to the point where he gave his life. He sacrificed his life to get that done. So there's a difference between I want to make the world a better place and Jesus saying I want to make the world a better place because one person really did a lot about it and you just have like a warm sentiment. I'm not talking about a warm sentiment. I'm saying what is it you really want to do? What is it you really want to see happen? What are you going to be on mission for? Now, the problem is sometimes we, we think we're on mission, but it's not really what I want. I'm just doing what I think somebody else wants me to do. You with me on this? Sometimes we, we want stuff only because somebody else wants us to want it. Uh, that's why some of you are in jobs you don't want to be doing with a degree you don't even want to use or don't even, you know, aren't even able to use. Why? Because your parents made you to pursue that degree. They wanted you to do that or you pursued that degree because you thought it looked good so everybody else would like you for it and you thought that would make you good for status or something like that. Some of you all went into the Navy and you pursued the career or job or path that somebody else wanted you to pursue or said it would be good but it's not really what you love to do or it's what the Navy wanted you to do. Uh, but it's not what you want to do. So sometimes there's things we are doing. It's not because we want to do it. Some of you this year, you're going to lose weight, but it's not because you want to lose weight. It's because somebody else wants you to lose weight, right? Or you think that you need to to make somebody else happy or something like that. And if, if you're doing something that somebody else wants, you're going to lose steam pretty quick. And that's why a lot of New Year's resolutions are things that other people want for you, whether you realize it or not. And it's not really what you want. And so you're going to fade out on that kind of thing. Uh, other times, People want the wrong things. Sometimes I call these shadow missions. Like, you would never come out and say, this is my mission in life. But it's this thing back lurking in the shadows, and it's really your mission, like getting revenge. And that's really motivating what you're doing. And you would never really say it or admit it or even express it. But if you look back at your life and what you've been doing over the past four or five months, every meeting you go in is all about making her look bad or getting her back or making sure she fails, right? And your mission is revenge on that person. Maybe it's on an ex, and that's really what you're focused on, making them look bad and making the kids not like them, and that's what your focus is. For some of you, your mission is to pursue a relationship that you not, should not be pursuing because you're married to somebody else. And you would never say, well, my mission this year is to have an affair. But if you look at what you're doing and what you're pursuing, somebody might look at that from a distance and go, you're kind of like on a mission for this, man. Right? So some people want the wrong thing. Some people want something that's the wrong thing. They're on a mission for the wrong thing. Some people don't want anything. What do you want? Nothing. And, and some, for some people, they think that's a, like a value. It's almost like a Buddhist thing. Because like Buddhism teaches that all of your problems really generate from, the, from your wants and desires. And if you just had no wants and desires, then you would be happy. 
really? Would you really be happy? You would just be existing. You'd be about nothing. Uh, there'd be no reason or motivation to get up in life. And what you end up doing when that's your life is you end up scrolling through social media looking what everybody else is doing. And that becomes your life, is just observing everybody else and what they're doing as you watch life pass you by. Some people, the problem is they want too many things. Like, oh, I want, I want just a whole list of things. But like, let me ask you this question. What did Jason Bourne want? Like all the Jason Bourne movies, what did he want? Anybody? You all hadn't seen the Jason Bourne movies, really? Not a trick question. What did Jason Bourne want? What? I want to know my identity. I want to know who I am, right? Who am I? Am I Jason Bourne? What am I? Why is it that I got nunchuck skills? Why is it I, I have all these skills? I want to know who I am. That's what it is. Now, they made like, what, five of those movies, I think? Something like five, whatever, how many of those movies? Now, would those movies have been as successful if Jason Bourne wanted to know who he was, lose five pounds, run a marathon, get married, have a kid, find a good mortgage rate, and adopt a rescue dog, right? No, you, you wouldn't watch all that. You wouldn't watch that movie, right? Because it would, it's sort of like, don't knock me. I, I want to clean my garage, okay? That's, that's seriously, I'm on a mission to clean my garage, okay? I know. Here's the thing. Since I moved in my house five years ago, my garage has been a shipping and receiving warehouse. That's all it has been. It has been a non-functional thing. Many years ago, before I had kids, and I'm blaming it all on them, of course I am, because I don't want to take responsibility, I had a garage I loved because I could work in it, and it was like I had open space, I had all kinds of... But I don't have that now. And I, I finally got to the point, like, that's it, I can't stand it anymore. Some of you all have that issue, right? Like, there's a part of your house that has to be clean. For some of you, it's the kitchen counter. For some of you, it's the bedroom. For some of it's your car. For me, it's my garage, okay? And it, it hasn't been clean. So this year, that's, I'm, I'm doing it, right? But here's the problem. Here's the problem with this. I say it's my mission, but what will happen is that I, I, will, I will go out in the garage and I'll find something that doesn't belong in the garage. And so you've got two choices. Put it somewhere else in the garage, which is what I've been doing for five years, or I'm going to take it to where it goes. So I found something that goes in the laundry room. So I pick it up, I take it to the laundry room. I get laundry, I'm going to put it in the cabin in the laundry room, but the problem is the cabin in the laundry room is a mess. So I'm like, well, I can't just stuff this in here. So I start pulling everything out of there to organize, and I go, you know, what is this Rubbermaid doing in the laundry room? Somebody must have, you know, been carrying some, like laundry soap from a trip or something like that. You put Rubbermaid in it, you know, whatever, fine. This needs to go into the kitchen. So this is all torn up. So I take that in the kitchen, and I go to put it in the Rubbermaid cabinet, but come on, you already know what's happening when you open the Rubbermaid cabinet, right? There's not a single person in the world who has a clean Rubbermaid cabinet. And by the way, let me just pause for a minute. I don't want your tips. I don't want your Pinterest link. I don't want to know what you do to keep your Rubbermaid cabinet clean because you probably don't have kids, okay? Because once you have kids, you can't keep that thing clean. And here's what I even do. I clean out that and throw out all my Rubbermaid every single year because for 8 bucks on Black Friday, you can buy all new Rubbermaid. Buy two packs for 16 bucks, and bam, you're done. Throw all the other stuff away that doesn't match, all the lids, all the stuff you've accrued from stealing food from other places not returning their Tupperware. I can clean the lot, start from scratch. But here's the thing. It's only three weeks after Black Friday, and already my Tupperware drawer, my Rubbermaid drawer, is almost empty. Where did it all go? So I start looking around to figure out where's all my... I got some... Where's it all at? I checked the fridge. Well, my mom came in town, and I got all these leftovers. So there's all these leftovers that are sitting there rotting in the fridge. So now i got to clean out the fridge and start pulling stuff out of the fridge. And But as I've been doing all that, I find some good stuff in there that still has some life left in it. But I say, you know, why not? I can go ahead and eat right now. So I'll go ahead and start to eat. And then when I start to eat, I look at my phone, and then the day is gone. <laughs> and then Michelle comes over after work, 
And she don't tell me she does this, but she does this. She'll peek in the garage on her way upstairs. Hmm. Then she'll come upstairs and she'll, she'll, she'll casually just go, so how are things going in the garage today? How do I explain what I did? I was busy all day. Nothing happened in the garage because somewhere at 9 o'clock this morning, I found a piece, uh, something that belonged in the laundry, like some laundry soap or something. And now I'm on my phone eating. And it's 4 o'clock. How did this, how did this happen, right? Now, I want to clean the garage, but I also wanted to clean the laundry room and wanted to clean the Rubbermaid cabinet, wanted to clean out the fridge, and I wanted to eat, and somehow the time waster thing came in there, and I got on my phone, and my day was gone. Now, do I want to clean the garage or not? Do I? Mm. You see, I say yes. Somebody else looked at me and said, if you wanted to clean the garage today, you would have cleaned the garage today. I'm not married, but yet I feel like I'm already married. You know what I'm saying? It's for the good. All right. Um, So there may be a lot of things you want to do, but in order for you to do things and get something done, there has to be a sacrifice. With Jesus, the sacrifice was obvious. It cost him everything. If you're going to be about a mission, there's going to be a sacrifice attached to it. If you're going to say yes to the garage, you've got to say no to everything else, right? So you've got to ask yourself the question is, what is it that I'm willing to say no to everything else about to say yes to this thing? What do I want bad enough to say no to everything else? Because you only have so many hours in the day. You only have so much money in the bank. And you only have so much mind share, like, like mental capacity to think through something and think about how I want it. Because, I mean, to really organize that cabinet in the laundry room that has just random stuff from everywhere. I don't know how it all ends up in there. You've got to think through, where's all this stuff going to go? How am I going to organize it? What's my system going to be like? But I've also got to do that for the garage, and then I've got to, there's no doing it for the Tupperware drawer. You know what I'm saying? There's only so much mind share in the day. And so something's got to give, and there's got to be something you want enough to get it done, and that it's going to be at the expense of everything else. And you've got to be able to look at me and say, listen, the laundry room's going to stay a mess, and the fridge is going to stay a mess, and that Tupperware drawer I'm never even going to mess with. But you know something? This year is the garage's year, right? That's what it means to be on mission. Now, when it comes to be on mission, there's two things that God gives us and says, this is what I want you to be on mission for every single year, no matter what. I want you to be doing these things. I want your life to be about these things. So we're going to talk about those two things, but I also want you to be thinking about finding three other things, not a whole, not a ton of things, just three things, and I'll give you some categories for that, to think about three other things that you want to be on mission for this year. And you get to choose these, all right? I'm just going to let you... Uh, here's where we're going to be going over the next couple of weeks. We're going to be just talking about mission in general this week. Next week's year in review. Okay? If you've never been here for a year in review, I highly encourage you, come. If you're looking to invite somebody, invite them next week. You can get a year's worth of messages in 30, 40 minutes. Um, they, they cut the song back because I know it's a little bit long. Literally, I will cover every single message from last year in 40 minutes. So if you want to know what you missed last year, next week's your week to come. It's a lot of fun. We speed through everything. I talk really fast. No. I don't talk fast this week. I talk fast next week. Next week, I'm going to be talking really, really fast to get through it all. And it's really the question of, before we go and get another year's worth of messages, let's look back and see where we've been, see if it's made any difference. So we'll do that. And then the next week after that, we're going to be taking the mission stuff we set this week and figuring out how are we going to get that done this year. Okay, so that's where we're going to be going in two weeks. So let's start with the mission. I'm going to give you two weeks to think about it. 
And then in two weeks, we're going to come back and figure out how we're going to get that done. So let's start off with what is the mission that God has given each one of us? Uh, pretty easy to start off. Uh, it revolves around the great commandment and the great commission. Jesus' values in life were to love God, love others. When he said, what, when he was asked, what is the most, what is the greatest commandment over Matthew 22? He says to love God and to love others. Uh, that your life would be about nothing more than a loving relationship with God that you'd enjoy for all eternity. That's what life is really all about anyway. And if that's what life's all about, I got to make that my mission. When you look at Paul, Paul said it this way over in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He said, I want to know Christ. I want to know him. Now, when he says I want to know him, he doesn't mean like, I, I, I want to know Jesus. You know, you get to know Jesus. The word know there, it's, it's a Greek word which is um, typically used of a husband-wife. Like where you'd say like, would your wife want you to buy that, right? You think in your mind, like when you're grocery shopping, do you ever like wonder like, eh, I don't know if my wife wants me to be buying Oreos right now, right? You with me on this? Why? Because you have experiential knowledge of buying Oreos when you shouldn't be buying Oreos, especially this time of year when everybody's you know, on the diets, right? So you have experiential knowledge. Uh, it's a knowledge which, which only comes from experience, from spending time with that person, where you, where you begin to know the way they think, you know what they value, you know what they want in life, you know what they approve of, what they disapprove of. When, G, when Paul says, I want to know Christ, he's talking about an intimate, deep, personal relationship kind of knowledge. He's taking the idea of, I want to have a loving relationship with God and saying, ah, I want to know him. I want to know him so intimately, so closely that, that his thoughts are like my thoughts, that, that I want to think the way he thinks. Because he goes on to say, I want to know Christ and, and his, his sufferings and his resurrection. And what he's getting at, he's saying, listen, I know that Jesus loved God and loved others, but he loved them in such a way that it pushed him to give his life for them. I want to know what it is to love people that way, that I'd be willing to sacrifice everything out of love for them. And I got to know what makes him tick. I got to know why he would do that. In the same way, there's some people who say, I, you look at maybe a, a business um, icon, and you say, I want to know the way they think so I can be as successful as they are. I want to be able to have that kind of success and be able to do that. I got to be able to think the way that they think. And so maybe you might want to go internship with them or, or read their book to get them to know them. With Jesus, he says, I want to read everything about Jesus' life. I want to spend as much time as I can with him in prayer so I can get to know him so well that I can become like him and to understand what would make him give his life. And when I understand that, I want to know him to the point where I would share that same kind of love for God and for others that I might be able to share in that same kind of suffering that he did. And he says, you know, I, I know that I'm saved. I know that I'll, you know, resurrect from the dead in the, the end of times. I understand that. But to pull it off the way he did, I, I want to know what that's like. Because I haven't achieved this. I haven't already got there. Just because I'm saved doesn't mean I'm there. I'll, I'll never be there. Uh, and, and don't even bring up my past. I made a lot of mistakes in my past. You can read this in Philippians 3, uh, 10 through 15. I, I made a lot of mistakes in my past. I'm going to forget what's behind, and I'm, I've got this goal in front of me, which is to know Christ, and that's what I'm going to be focused and pursuing on. And so for every one of us, our goal each year should be to know Christ more. And we'll talk some specifics on how you can set some goals and plans to do that. But right now, uh, my hope is that you would have a goal or a, that you would be on a mission in life to know God more, to, to love God more every single year. Uh, the second thing is about the Great, com uh, Great Commission. And the last thing Jesus says is he's ascending up to heaven. If you ever watch any of the Jesus movies, there's really some bad special effects that follows after this moment where he kind of like disappears and fades off into the sky. Right before that, though, he says these words, uh, to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, for surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Uh, the Great Commission is, a, is where we start with, I want to love God, 
but I want to tell everybody else about him. And the question is, are you really on mission for God? Now, by the way, my goal as a church is I want this to be the best place for you to fulfill the Great Commission. Uh, now, if you cannot feel or if you do not sense that you are able to, f- to fulfill the Great Commission in some way, shape, or form connected with this church, find a church where you can. Flat out. Like, I have never had a problem with anybody leaving Essential and going to another church. My answer to that is always, if they can better fulfill the Great Commission at another church, by all means, go. And I've had pastors come in and try to recruit people out of my church to go to their church. People say, oh, doesn't that bother you? No. Because one of two things is, 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 is happening there. Either they are better suited to fulfill the Great Commission at that church, or I haven't done enough, a good enough job as a pastor to allow them to have the opportunity to do that here. So either way, it's either on me or it's where they need to be. I don't care either way, right? Because after all, if you're somewhere that you know God is using you, nobody's going to be able to pry you out of that, right? So I want to be able to provide opportunities for you here at Essential where you can fulfill the Great Commission, by you can, where you want to invite friends. I, I always say, I want to be the best church for you to invite your lost friends to. That's my goal. I don't want to be the best church. I want to be the best place to invite a lost person to. I hope that you feel comfortable inviting your friends here. I also hope that you feel uh, the opportunity to be able to serve others here, that you can be the hands and feet of Christ here. I want to help you fulfill the Great Commission. That's my goal as a church uh, and as a pastor. So two missions that God gives us is to love him and to be about the same mission that Jesus was on, to seek and save the lost. Now, I also want to encourage you to set three other missional goals, uh, or mission mindsets, things that you want to see achieved in your life. Because if you don't go for anything, you ain't going to do anything. Um, I'll give you a couple categories in this. Uh, one is, you know, think about maybe in terms of your relationships or your family. Um, what is something you want to see happen in your family? Or in your? I'll give you an example from a couple years back. A couple years back, I noticed that the trend in my own home was we all came home and went to our rooms. We would come in for meals, then we'd go. It was almost like a nursing home, right? You know, a nursing home, everybody stays in their room. They get carted out to the mess hall to eat, and then the nurse takes them back to their room, right? I didn't, I didn't like that. It's not the house I, I dreamed of having. And, and I, didn't, I, I didn't know how it happened. It just happened, right? Sometimes, sometimes you just end up in a place in life, right? You may end up in a place unintentionally. Well, the only way you're going to get out of it is with some intention. And so I, I made it my mission one year that I want my house to be a house my kids love to be in. I want them to love to be in the living room as much as they're in their own bedrooms. Um, and there's a lot of pieces to that because I also saw as my kids were getting older... Uh, I wanted my house to be a place where they wanted to come home to. Um, I remember a friend of mine saying, this, this haunted me. It was, it was Christmas time, and he's like, oh, i got to go see my parents. And then he's like, you know, I hate going to see my parents. This is him telling me, this, I hate going to see my parents, but you know, it would kill me if my kids ever said that about me. And that clicked with me. I was like, whoa, I want my house to be a house my kids want to come home to. And there's a friend of mine whose son... Uh, worked for a government organization. Some government organizations, what they do, there's an old saying, they take a, you draw a line from your hometown to Washington, D.C., then draw a perpendicular line in the first major city that that hits, that's where they send you. And so sure enough, he was all the way out in Seattle. And um, after working for the company, you know, working for this organization for several years, uh, they were doing like this retention program, and they said, you know, if there's a job anywhere in the country that you want to take that's commensurate with your whatever, um, will give you the freedom to, to transfer one time. And he looked and looked and looked, and like a year later, found an opportunity in his hometown, bought a house next door to his dad. And I was like, wow. 
I want to have the kind of relationship with my kids that when they're in their 40s and they have the opportunity to go live anywhere in the world, man, I want to live next door to my dad. I want that. That was a mission for me. That was a mission mindset. And so several years ago, had some action plans, did some things. You know, we've made a lot of progress towards that over the past couple of years. That was, a, that was a goal. That was a mission that was worth it to me. And there was a lot of sacrifice that had to you know, go into play to, to make that happen. Uh, some of you may have a goal as far as your marriage goes and what you want to see your relationship like. Maybe part of these maybe because th- that was driven by something I saw I didn't like. I didn't like where this was. I didn't like where my garage was. I wanted to fi- fix that up. Uh, so maybe something about your marriage you don't like. Instead of complaining about it, do something about it, right? Make it this year. We're going to do something about it. Make this part of your mission. And you're like, well, maybe if they're not on board with it, that's fine. As much as far as it depends on you, the scripture says, live at peace with all people. So what is it that you can do to contribute to a better marriage, even if they're not on board with it right now? You've got to think through these kind of things. So your relationship, your family. Um, what kind of personal goals do you have? Is there, is there a personal mission that you have? For some of it's to get in weight, for some of it's to learn a new skill, for some of it's to career development. I have a friend of mine, um, uh, he had a goal to read one book a week last year. Uh, he read 48. Failed. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, he, his goal was a book a week. He read 48. He failed, didn't he? Did he? Yeah. Did he? Yeah, we'll talk about this more with goals in a couple weeks, but he read 48 books, right? It's probably more than anybody else in this room read. He missed it by four. Uh, this year, he's starting off on a good track. I think he's already read, I think, five or six books already this year. He's like, I'm not going to fall behind this year. And he's coming right. He has his goal again this year. Uh, I, I commend him for it. And the guy's brilliant. Why is he brilliant? Because he reads a lot, right? 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 You, know, you can't look at somebody else and go, oh, man, they just have all the luck. No. They had a goal. You think that took some sacrifice? You think that took some determination? Yeah. Uh, so do you have a personal goal? Like Pastor Chris and I, one of our goals is to learn how to weld. Don't send us information. It's not our goal this year, okay? Some year, we already know where we're going to do it. One of these years, we're going to do it. We keep saying one of these years. It may never happen. At some point, it's going to become a priority for us, and we're going to do it because we've always wanted to learn to weld. Because we can woodwork anything. We can plumb anything. We just can't work with metal. Uh, and metal's so much better. So one of these years, we're going to learn to weld. Maybe that's a skill you want to learn. Maybe you have a skill that you want to develop. Maybe it's a, a hobby you want to develop. Maybe it's a professional, career-oriented goal of something you want to develop. Maybe it's a body, fitness, health kind of thing that you want to pursue. Maybe there's a personal goal. Uh, maybe you have a work goal. Maybe there's a promotion you want to get. Maybe there's a new skill that you want to attain. Uh, and by the way, some of these goals, you need to get everybody else on board in your family with this, right? If your goal is to get a promotion and move to 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 Maryland or move to Oregon with this promotion, you better get everybody on board with that before you just say, this is what we're doing, honey. Um, So do you have a professional goal that you want to pursue? So just think about those kind of categories, career, personal, uh, maybe it's a friendship goal. Maybe you look at your life and you say, I don't have any close friends. Uh, I want to develop some close friends. How can I do that? Now, by the way, uh, this is something else we're trying to help you as a church do. So remember I said, as a church as a whole, I want to help you fulfill the Great Commission. As a pastor, I want to help you love Jesus. As a church, though, if you look at our small group program, that's what this is all about. Some of you have financial goals. That's why we offer Financial Peace University as many times as we can. I think we've got one of those coming up. Uh, some of you, you have marriage goals. That's why we offer marriage enrichment classes. Some of you, it's family or parenting. That's why from time to time we'll offer family and parenting things. Um, we offer small groups 
typically around these kind of missional goals that people set in their life. I highly, highly, highly encourage you, and two weeks from now, one of the things I'm going to tell you is that you will not pursue and you will not fulfill these goals unless you have somebody else on your team doing this with you. Your, your success rate at achieving your goal increases significantly, exponentially, if you have somebody else in your corner pushing you along the way. And we make that as easy as possible for you. By You're in a community and a culture that's trying to set that up for you. And all you have to do is open up a church center app and go, I'm in. That's it. Just, just, just start off, right? So all you need to do right now, though, is think about what do I want for this year? I already hope you want to love God and tell people about him more uh, and find a way to do that here at this church. But think of three other things that you want to pursue. What are three things you want to have? Now, you may come up with five or six. Okay, think about that, but you need to narrow them down to about three. Why? Because you can't clean the garage and the laundry room and the kitchen and the fridge and get on social media and eat all at the same time. You can't do it because somebody's going to come home and go, so how's it going in the garage? (laughs) Same it was the last time you looked. And I don't want to say that this time next year. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you were on mission for me. I thank you that nothing deterred you from that, that you didn't stop on that, that you didn't get sidetracked on that, that you loved me enough that you were going to deal with my sin problem, that you were going to deal with the fact that I was going to be separated from you for all eternity because of my sin. And so you came into this world to live a sinless life, to offer yourself up as a sacrifice, to seek and save the lost, me. Thank you for that mindset, that determination, that goal, because it's changed my life for all eternity. Father, may we think about what our mission is and what we're on a mission for. both in our relationship with you and in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.